Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Emerging Nine Golf Podcast. No McLean intro tonight. I'm Mike. McLean. Yeah, Jay, he hijacked my intro. Do you, you notice that? <laughs> he did. Jay he is here. Yeah, yeah. You hijacked my intro, pal. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like each one of us has only done it maybe once or twice. I think I've, yeah. I think I've done two intros and then I think Mike didn't like it. That was also an ambush last week, if I could say so myself. <laughs> I it was ready to go. It was an ambush. Ready to go. Uh, well, welcome back to our listeners. We are back for another episode. We hope you enjoyed another live shouting match that we had last week that we officially have gotten nowhere on. So, yeah, no we're, I, think we're good. I think we're good. <laughs> no one, no one's mind has been changed. No one's mind has changed. It's been six months. No one's changed each other's mind. We've all, we've all just dug in deeper to our sides. Allegiance. Yeah, our allegiance. Um, and so, but we are back. Um, you know, you, and here's what you hijacked me for last week, McLean. I'm going to blame you. We, I was going to give a congratulations last week to open the show to our one and only Jay Bird, who got inducted to the JMU Hall of Fame. How about that? That It's pretty incredible stuff. And Mike, you, you are right. I should not have gotten in the way of that. We <laughs> should have gotten that out of the way early. However... <laughs> I was just, I was antsy. I, you're, I was ready. Too, you're ready. I'm ready to go. Ready to go. You had, you were at one track mind last week. I love it. I love one it. One track mind. But no, Jay, congrats. Um, you Thank were able you. to celebrate with your, uh, your family up at JMU for your induction into their athletic hall of fame. And um, yeah. yeah, that must've been pretty damn cool. It was cool. I mean, I was, I was kind of caught off guard when Jeff Warren, the athletic director called, uh, you know, six, seven months ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, they did an incredible job. It was awesome event this Friday night. There's seven other inductees, you know, a couple coaches and a couple players, past players, football player, basketball player, you know, uh, women's basketball player, Don Staley. She played in the WNBA for years, all oh, yeah. WNBA all-star. She did um, TV and coaching. And I think, yeah, now she's a movie. She's in Hollywood acting. I mean, she, she's, she knows what she knows what she's doing. Um, but um, no, it was it was cool. It was a long ceremony and I gave my thank yous or my speech last. Um, the, I think the event started at like 630. I didn't get up there to like 1030. So oh, geez. Like, I mean, I got up at the end. I was like, all right, I'm last, guys. I'm going to make it as short as I can. Um, but no, really cool. I mean, my oldest son, Trey, he stayed. I mean, he was into it, like watching everyone's video and then listening to everybody talk. And he was, it was kind of cool. He's, he's at that, that age where he could be influenced, um, easily. Um, so it's nice to put him around good people and see how hard work pays off. It's kind of cool that he, he's, he was, he's been asking to hit balls every day this week. You know, he's motivated to like, he wants to Love be, it. wants to be good. So that, that part's cool. Um, but yeah, and then the football game, they had us out on the field and was in you know Pack Stadium on Saturday. I was like, what is this is like it's kind of surreal. I was like, well, I don't know what they're thinking, but they can't take it away. Like <laughs> I'm in for good now. It's like in. It's done. I'm in. Can't take it back. So yeah, that had to be a cool atmosphere, Jay. Some of those picks were awesome that we got to see. And I can only imagine what it felt like being down there on the field with you guys. It was it was crazy. I mean, just I mean, people they gave they were out there for a good you know two or three minutes and just everybody cheering. 
like the energy, you know, that's the one thing that I missed about playing, you know, t- competitive team sports and playing football, you know, in high school and basketball in high school is just being on the floor and have the crowd behind you and never in front of a crowd of, you know, 30,000, you know, fans or whatever we have at JMU. But I mean, it's, it was pretty cool. It was one of the other inductees, Rodney Landers was a, you know, played football at JMU and took them, you know, deep into the playoffs every year, you know, in the uh, 07, 08, 09. And I was like, is this what it was like every time you stepped on the field? He was like, yep. He's like, it's like, it's a, it's like a drug. It's addicting, you know? Um, but no, it was, it was really, really neat. And it was, I think the one thing at the very end, you know, I was, I was trying to, you know, capture, you know, what, what that meant, you know, to, to get inducted into the hall of fame. It's just, you know, you go to, you, you go to college and you're there. Some people are there to do, to study. Some people are there to, uh, you know, be in a fraternity or sorority because that's what they want to do. And that's fine. They're all great. I was literally, I was there, I was there to play golf and to get, obviously to get my education, but my goal was to go there and to get ready to turn pro. And like, and, and I, it was kind of, it's kind of cool. You put so much time and effort into everything while you're there and that's all you thought about. And then, your career is over and you go on and you're, you know, you're, you've got these connections with this university. Um, but at the same time, you know, they're like, great. Hey, you're out of school now. Good luck. You know, they're going to keep focusing on the, the students that are there now, which is, they should, but it was just nice. to, you know, 20 years later, they're like, you know what you did, a, you really did do a great job and here's your payback for putting all that time and effort into it. So it was pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Did they, they give you like a gold bust or what is there? Is there a Jay no. Woodson bust? You know? <laughs> no, they gave us like a, like a big, uh, it's a big uh, plaque with a metal. It's got a purple and gold ribbon metal. And that's kind of their thing for the hall of fame. But there was one guy, this track guy, Anthony Wallace. He, um, he was actually there when I was there as well, but he bought a gold jacket off of eBay and took it to his seamstress and they sewed this Madison patch on the, the lapel. And then they, <laughs> on the inside, he had them put this uh, purple and gold Paisley pattern on the inside of this jacket. And he oh, wore that's it. awesome. He, he wore it the whole night, um, which was really cool. I was like, man, if we had gotten one of those, that would have been. Oh, that's badass. That's cool. Yeah. Kudos to him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's some forward thinking there. That's yeah. good. I like that. So, well, congrats to you, man. You deserve it. Uh, we were, Thank you. Uh, we were happy to see that happen. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, yeah, cheers. Let's cheers. On cheers. That. Oh yeah, what do you got drinking? Cheers. Cheers. I've got a broken record over here. I've got a switch to Dickel fifteen. A little little ten. There you go. Tonight. Okay. Nice. It's actually. Um, I hate. I've never ordered it or bought that because I just don't want to say Dickel. I'm sorry. I don't know what it is about it's it. So it's good. It's so like, good. Sounds like a venereal disease. Um, <laughs> well, if you want one, I got another bottle. <laughs> you going to hook him up with that dickle? Yeah. <laughs> sounds like you need a shot of penicillin uh, or something. An antibiotic after that, for sure. Yeah. Nothing God. like a 15-year-old VD. Oh, I'll give it to you. Sorry, honey. I got a case of the dickle. <laughs> Age just right. <laughs> uh, Corona Light, McLean? Yes, sir. The use. I'm, I got a little Weller antique tonight. Look at you. You're celebrating. Not really. I just, you know, hey, it's Tuesday. <laughs> you can't you can't hide it. You know, when you got it, you got it. I said, why not? Why save it? I gotta have another full bottle at home. It's not cracked. So yeah. I'm poor. I have to drink beer. Thought I would <laughs> thought I would enjoy it. 
luckily like half my collection has been gifted to me almost i feel like nice. which is nice i'm not sure what that says about me but it is nice it says it's you have fun. better friends than me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. some of the perks of being a club pro which we'll get to later yeah <laughs> in a little bit but let's get into some golf so we had the start of the PGA Tour season, the premier golf tour in the universe, kicked off its season last week <laughs> in Napa. I thought that event was in Chicago. No, there was no event in Chicago. There was an event in Chicago. Chicago adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> um, proceed, proceed, let's not go down that hole yet. But the 40 net championship out in Napa, Silverado. Max Homa goes back to back, defends his title there, is now his fourth win in his last 41 starts. Five career wins, matches Ricky Fowler for his career wins. I want to get into more of Max Homa in depth here in a second. However, we gotta we can't ignore what transpired on the eight or on and around the 18th green on Sunday. So if you didn't see it. Homa, par five. I'm going to bring up the uh, shot link data here to give myself a little more more data as far as the, this this putt that Willett had. So uh, Willett stuffs it. Homa goes for the green, hits it in the green side bunker, hits a chunks his bunker shot short of the green. Well, it looked like it was like a 40 yard bunker shot. Yeah, it, it was. I wouldn't call it a green side bunker. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, one of the hardest shots clear. in golf. Yeah, so it was it was 90 feet, 89 feet, 7 inches to a tucked pin. 30, 30 yards. 30 yards to a tucked pin, and it's, that's a hard golf short. And so, Absolutely. Give credit he, where that's due. That's yeah. Awesome. He, he chunks it and basically has to chip in to put any kind of pressure on Willett, who's got the birdie putt, to seal the deal and chipped it in. Um, then will it, and so people were saying, oh, he missed like a three, four footer shot link data. Um, I guess it is, God, it was that short. It looked longer to me. It says three feet, seven inches that he hit his shot. Uh, I thought it looked actually a little bit longer than three feet, seven. There was a side angle that looked a little bit longer, but shot link data has it at three feet, seven inches. He then hits that four and a half feet by the hole. So now he's got to make the four and a half footer to get into the stay tie for the lead, get into the playoff with Homa and gags that one, yanks that one left and three putts from three and a half feet and loses instead of you think he's going to win. Okay. Well, now he's going to go to a playoff. Oh, nope. It's over. He lost. So I don't know what, what do you guys make of that? It was, it was wild. It was, it's, God, it's tough to watch that kind of thing with Danny Willett. I feel bad for the guy. He's been on hard times the last couple of years what? and seems to kind of find his game in the last six, seven months or so. But then for that to happen, that's that's tough. Uh, what I took away was how professional Danny handled it. I thought it was absolutely an incredible mental move to be able to turn around, get a smile out, and congratulate Max. Um I just, I was blown away with how he handled it. He, sh- he showed almost no emotion, which I'm not saying uh, there wasn't some there, and it didn't. I'm sure it came out later. Yeah, but I was uh, 
I, I, I use surprised. I, I think it's probably the best way to describe that he was able to turn around after, I mean, an absolute fold show um, from having a three-footer to win, which every golfer at the beginning of the week would beg to have that opportunity. You get you play all week and work your ass off to get to a point where you have three foot seven inches to win a tournament on the PGA Tour. There's no one in the world that wouldn't take those odds and want to be in that position to hammer it by and then really kind of not sniff the second one and to turn around as a true professional and uh, handle it the way he did. I, I hats off. I mean, well, well, well yeah. done. I, I can guarantee yeah. you, I ha- I do not have that kind of mental stability. No. And I think that could have been a slightly a, just a defense mechanism. Cause he's like, had like a really big smile, almost was laughing when he shook home his hand. Um, and he, he was, he was classy in his, post-round press conference and said all the right things and had a smile on his face and said, you know, we'll live to fight another day. And I have to imagine though he went back to his hotel room and just, you know, scream into a pillow. Beat the shit out of a Gatorade <laughs> a jug or something. Something. Yeah. Tear a phone off the wall. Yeah. Like baseball players do in the dugout or something, you know, and, and people, someone said to me at the club, they're like, man, you think he would have kind of cozied that first one down there, you know, make it you win you miss you go into a playoff but and it was downhill putt it did he jammed it pretty hard and i don't know if that's him just saying all right here we go let's just jam this in the back of the hole and win this win. thing and he's, to win. i forget the actual stat i saw years ago tour pros when they're inside of five feet they jam them yeah so well they i think miss, tiger taught everyone to do that you know so they're they're average like when they miss a putt outside of five feet it goes by roughly like a foot and a half but it's two feet when they miss a putt from inside of five feet, which yeah. says that they're jamming those versus other putts. And so you, you can control, you can control the line more when you add, again, you're so you're closer to the hole. Everyone says, Oh, perfect speed. You know, the hole gets bigger, but at that distance, like I can control three feet of the putt with my start line based on how my speed. So it's like, I can take really, you really can take a lot of the break out of it. So it's, and especially on greens, like what they're, they play on, they're in such good shape. Um, you know, I, that's why they all do it. I mean, I, I get it hundred um, percent. But Jay, don't you agree that tiger made that a thing? Oh yeah. hundred percent. And, and I also think that it also happened during a time where the greens got a lot faster. They got faster and they got- improved. And ultimately tiger was still the guy that would jam him in there because Tiger understood that the odds of a tour pro missing two putts back to back inside of five feet are, are slim to none. Yeah. And, yeah. It, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of guys that have, now that we have all the data that there is, they understand that. And that's their approach to those short putts. It's an unfortunate thing that happened to Danny Willett. I, I don't know that necessarily you need to take the, the one thing- different or the same strategy when the tournament's on the line, but I understand why he did it. And if statistically that was a thought, part of his thought process, it all makes sense. And that logic is there. But the, the downhill putt, it's like, you know, ne- I rarely saw Tiger yeah. jam in the downhill putt. Think about the 2000, That's uh, fair. the 2000 PJ championship when he beat Bob May and had that downhill left to right five footer. Just he did in. not, he did not jam that thing in there. No, that just be just right. And I, that just dickled in. That just, but, um, I mean, he, I mean, 15 years to get there. 
Tiger, Tiger knows the situation. And, and uh, again, this, this isn't about Tiger, but I, I know we were talking about how good he is with the short putts, but I mean, that was the one thing. I mean, he, you know, Will had a kind of a downhill left to right, and it just, yeah, he just kind of jabbed it just a little bit, you know, in my opinion. I, he has kind of a little, a little bit of a strange um, putting grip. And I always feel like, I hate to say this, it's going to, but whenever you see a guy with a weird putting grip, there's a reason for it. You know, like you don't go to crosshand because it, you work you're really good at putting really good. Now I, I will say some of the young kids these days are teachers are saying, yeah, hold it like this. Even when they're like six or seven years old, which is bizarre to me. Um, so they may, some of the kids are growing up a little bit more with that, but like Danny Willett, you don't switch to this weird, like, una unigrip both hands on the putter the same way. If you, there's not a reason for it. Like you were missing putts with a conventional grip. So that's why you switched. So again, I'm being hypercritical here. You, oh. you just, you know, 1600 par, but, and it comes, if we, if we want to try to get micro on this thing and, and really look at what, what happened, like there's, there's a reason for it. Like he's not comfortable with those, uh, you know, those putts. And that's why he's probably made, made the switch. He, he's a great uh, wedge player. And I don't, I don't know the stats, but when I look at the motion, it looks looks great like it looks like he knows what he's doing I, I, again i don't know what his stats are but i've always kind of liked his swing um very simple him and yeah, very Kisner compact and simple and very similar swings like they the right very shut face down long yeah shut then they just kind of did you say fleetwood really no i said well fleetwood too but uh, Ke- him and Kez- kevin kisner kind of have a similar motion there where that right side stays really flat and planted and they just really swing in the top half uh, really also good. a shot golf swing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they hit it straight solid. Yeah. You just got to um, get it back there and rotate, get that hip out of the way. No. And I, I, from the mechanics, when I watched it, his, the first one he missed looked pretty good. It actually looked like a confident stroke. He just jammed the hell out of it. Yeah. He just hit it too the, hard. The second one did not look good. I mean, his, his chest moved, his spine moved, his head moved. I mean, it was the classic look up and pull it kind of baby, you know, get in tentative. There, please please Just get in there. Fucking go in the bottom of the cup, please. Go, 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 go. You know, um, that one looked bad. The first one didn't really look bad. He just jammed the hell out of it. Yeah. And he shouldn't have, like you said. I totally agree with the. If you're going to jam one, do it on the uphill. Do it on not the, the down, one. Not the downhill. Um, um, but, I'm actually watching it here. Just look. And just the, the rhythm didn't look quite right. It was short and kind of poppy. On the, that second one. Yeah. And just to kind of go to your, I think I sent you guys this um, last week or so uh, on Instagram, Potter's Putting, who's a great account, um, a teacher on the uh, PJ Tour, short game uh, putting teacher. He listed the top 10 guys in strokes game putting for last year and then put how they grip the club. So Lucas Herbert was number one. He was left hand low. The other nine, we're all conventional. Conventional. So that kind of goes to your take of if you see a player that doesn't have a conventional stroke, it's because they're not good at a conventional stroke and they've had to try to go elsewhere to change. And it's a weakness of their game. It's not to say it's bad because they, yeah. they're probably doing something to benefit their game, which I'm all for, but there's something, there's la- something lacking there. That's a weakness. Um I- I think, in all honesty, I, I don't think it's – people look at that and like, oh, they, they're doing this so they can keep the face square longer. I think they do it, in my opinion. The best putters, that all those guys that 
you named uh, all have incredible rhythm and, and incredible feel with their hands. They, they, they just know the speed of the putter, which equates to, you know, controlling the speed of the ball. So those guys have just ultimate feel and the best speed. Their strokes are all probably a little bit different. You know, I mean, I wouldn't say that any of them are perfect, but the better your the better your sense of rhythm, the easier it is for you to return the phase to square. So they both work together. So those guys that that switch these their grips around, uh, they think they're fighting one thing, but really they're fighting the fact that they just don't have a good sense of rhythm um, with the conventional grip. Uh, in my opinion, that's mm-hmm. and I yeah. and, and I, I don't blame them for trying to do something different. They're like, hey. If I, my rhythm's bad and I can't get the face square, then I'm going to at least go to something where my rhythm's bad and I can get the face square, like most of the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I get them for, for doing that. But I think in the grand scheme of things, like you said, those nine guys other than Herbert, they all have just w- – by holding the club that way, which is the way they hold every other club in the bag, they just have an ultimate sense of feel and rhythm, and those guys are the best putters. I mean, I go back – if you were to name off who your top three putters of all time, like real quick. I would say Billy Casper, uh, Crenshaw, Tiger Woods, and I would throw Jack in there three and a half. I'll throw Faxon in guys. Faxon, Lauren Roberts, Tiger Woods, Bobby Locke is also in there. Yeah, and but you know, say we do the top five, you know, and all those guys have just the impeccable rhythm. Like, I mean, you've seen the videos of Brad Faxon talking about how he's moving all the time. He's always keeping everything. Everything stays rhythmic. Like, I mean he's one of the best and they all go back to Ben Crenshaw and Ben Crenshaw always goes back to Billy, Billy Casper. I've told, I think I've told this story on the podcast where Crenshaw was talking to Billy Casper about putting. And this is when he was, I think he was at Texas. He was in college and you know, what do you, what do you do, Billy? How do you, you know, what do you do when you're thinking about putting and Billy's like, Oh, you know, I just kind of just get a good, nice general view of the hole. And I just good rhythm, soft hands and just put it. And Billy looks back at Ben and says, well, what do you, what do you think about? You know, he's like, well, I, I pick up this really, I just try to get really focused, this real precise line. I really try to see this ball going in. I'm just like a, a, like a pencil thread, you know, all the way to the hole. And Billy Casper looks at, at Ben is like, son, you're not that good. It's like, you need to visualize <laughs> a big ass wide paintbrush. And if you could just get the ball started on that, you know, big, big wide spot, you're going to be fine. It'll just free you up is basically what it came down yeah. to. Well, I mean, on a, in risking going on to our first tangent of the night, and I think, going I think we're already there. First rabbit hole. What's I that? Love, I love the golf talk. I, yeah, I love it. This is tangent. way better so, than live. Let's go. When we look at seeing the top ten guys putt the way they do, is this especially in golf in the time and age that we are in currently with the coexistence of live and the PGA tour and trying to increase competition on either tour. Quite frankly, I think that's one of the biggest, um, biggest things in golf currently with either the live or PGA tour, they're trying to increase their level of competition. It screams to me, let's go ahead and bring back the belly putter. Let's go ahead and bring back anchoring. Let's bring in more players. Let's, let's get, let's get more players involved and and competing at the highest level. And increase the level of competition. I mean that that's a, a maybe unpopular opinion, but from where I'm sitting, there's only a positive to the overall bring, product bring, that bring either tour it, it bring more guys, make the competition yeah. better I, on I either agree. tour on either tour. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I I didn't have any problem with the long putter or the belly putter either, and and mainly because I was I've always been conventional. And I've always used a conventional grip. I tried them both and they were just, I, it took away my sense of feel and rhythm. 
So for me, I was like, I don't care how good, you know, with a uh, belly putter, I'm, I'm sorry, not a belly putter, but with a, uh, a full length putter, long, long putter. I just, I was like, look, I don't care how, I don't care what this does for the face. I get it. I'm going to be more of a steeper inclined plane here. The chances for the, for face rotation are, are, are minimal here. I get it, but I have no feel of how to help the speed at which I want to bring the putter back and the speed at which I want to bring the putter through. And I think that's way more important than being able to keep the putter face square. You're not going to keep the thing square. It always opens and closes. It's going to, there's not one player on the planet that doesn't have any face rotation. Um, So why not be really good with your rhythm and your sense of timing? That's like telling a, a, a tennis player, keep your, keep your racket square to the your, the target the whole time. They're like, are you kidding me? Like I'll, I'll be the most, I'll be the least dynamic player here with no speed. Like you, you have to, you have to have ry- rhythm to, to, to understand the sense of timing and to get the face back to square. So I don't know. I just think that's, in my opinion, that's one of the, the biggest things of putting, you can have a really awkward stroke. Now, I'm not. I'm not saying that you you do need to have some somewhat of a, a decent stroke, but it doesn't have to be perfect. Uh, but if you've got a good sense of rhythm, then it's going to be much easier for you to return that face to square. As well, long as and, path and I I agree with that. I agree with you so much, Jay. And it's funny. I I've not personally met with him. I know of him. I've never taken a lesson from him. Um, but I had a buddy of mine who went and had a lesson with Bobby Orr. Uh, mm-hmm. David in- David Orr. David Orr, sorry, Bobby Orr, someone down here in Florida. Bobby Orr. David Orr. Bobby Orr is a uh, uh, hockey player. Yeah, he's on my wall actually, right over here. <laughs> There's another guy down here. <laughs> Long story short, um, David Orr at Campbell. He's in Bowie's Creek, North Carolina. Yeah. And buddy of mine went up there and he said it was kind of wild because the first thing he had me do was hit a couple of one handed putts, both left handed, both right handed, had me hit some putts with different grips, had me to use a bunch of wild techniques. And he proved to me that the overall ability to get the ball somewhat online and towards the hole wasn't that important as far as technique. It was more about finding the line and the speed and ultimately Mm -hmm. focus on that part of it outside of making a perfect stroke, which is something that frees up, I think, both the golf game in, in totality from a driver iron shot, fairway wood, hybrid, wedge shot, whatever it is, when you can focus on the process versus focusing on the, the, or not, I'm sorry, not focus on the process, focus on the result versus focusing on the, focusing on the process and let your natural abilities take over. It's amazing what the difference in the results are. And that's one thing that I think every tour player would tell you uh, when they're winning and they're playing their best, they look at the shot and just go execute it. It's not how it gets done. It's not putting the club in a certain location. It's just getting it done. And in my years of fitting, one of the things I used to try to do to get people out of that and explain that theory to them was talk about tying your shoes. And Mike's probably heard me mention this uh, a couple dozen times on the driving range, but in, especially in fittings, when guys get in front of a launch monitor, they all of a sudden try to start doing their best from a swing standpoint and trying to um, focus on putting the club in a certain location. They start going into a very technical, uh, my, a, a thought process and, and, a, and a, a, whatever occupies their mind at that time. Long story short, yeah. um, I tell them if you go down and you have to tie your shoes, something that we do many people multiple times a day with no thought into it. Cause it's something that we've done so many times. If you have to go back and I challenge anyone that's listening to this podcast, if you go and just tie your shoe normally, but then your next shoe, your other shoe that you go to tie, 
if you have to go and think through each step along the way, it will take you five to 10 times the amount of time it does when you just, when you just do it. And it's because you simplify and focus on the result. You focus on any, my shoe tied natural abilities take over. I simply make that happen. And my shoe gets tied magically because I just react versus saying, all right, I need to take this, this string and my, my right string, my left string. I need to cross them over. I need to, then it it just becomes a, a much more analytical process and it becomes much more difficult and much less efficient to achieve the desired result. Well, that's like Dave Stockton talks about signing your name. Yeah. Same, same thing. I've, I've used that analogy quite a bit. You know, you, you just want to, you don't think about signing your name. If you had to think about each individual exactly letter, right. it's not going to, it's not going to look same. like your signature. If you go to sign a check, you scribble it on there and boom, you're done. There's no, it's in your subconscious. It's not a thought out process. Um, yeah. And I, exactly I think right. if you look at, you know, I had a, a putting discussion with, actually one of our assistant superintendents the other day who, who struggled with putting and he was asking about path. I said, I don't really care about path on your putting. I said, if, if you can return the face, the same spot, kind of like you were talking about Jay, yeah. you know, the golf balls, it's, I forget the exact stat. It's like 96%, 97%, wherever that face is pointing, the ball's going to go. Yeah. You can be Billy Mayfair and cut across it, but you hit it with a square, a square face. That ball's going in the, it's going straight and it's going in the hole. Yeah. And how do you get that square face? You know, it's like, it's like, again, my, my thought is everyone has this, when you put the club down with, with your hands on it, you have, you have a sense of where that face is aimed to start. So if you've got a good sense of rhythm and you've got good ri- feel in your hands, you, you, you're in, you instinctively want to get the, the face back to where you started from. So if you've got a good sense of rhythm, that becomes easier. If the more technical it becomes, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've, I've, I'm flawed in this. I've done this before. I've gone, I've gone down the the path of trying to make the, you know, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to make the, the paths great. I'm the face is going to be great. I mean, Doc Rotella used to talk about this all the time. We were, used to work together. I was actually working with him and one of his PJ tour players called him. He wouldn't tell me who it was. He said, doc, I got it figured out is I got, I've got the perfect path and I'm getting the face back. I mean, I, I, it's perfect. I was like, my path is perfect. I've got perfect setup. Everything's good. And Doc was like, well, he's like, great. He's like, congratulations. Now you just need to actually make a good stroke. Now you, you learn how to set up square and you feel like you get a good path. Now you hit the ball on your target line. Like, good luck. Like, it's not that easy, you know? So, but I mean, I just, again, I, I just go back to this all the time. I, I think it really, all of that stems around having a good sense of rhythm and being able to bring the club back to square and talking to your point, McLean, I went and saw uh, David when I was playing one time and it was, it was a great, we had a great conversation, great day. Um, and the first thing he wanted me to do, he did a lot of the same things that he did to your friend. We had a couple, I had, I had two or three different putters. He was like, bring all your putters. Let's try them. And we didn't really mess with different grips. We did a lot of left to right putts, right to left putts, just trying to see um, how I reacted to the, the different setting. And the one thing that he wanted me to get away from was using the line on my putter or on the ball. And he seemed to think that he said, I think you get more, you get stuck over the ball when you use the line because you're trying to make a perfect stroke to that line. He's like, I would suggest you putting a dot on your ball and, and using that. And I will say that I did try it. And he, and he was right. I made, 
I'm, the the strokes were so much freer when I didn't have a line there. Like, I, you know, everyone's, they say some people have that linear view and some people have, uh, you know, a different, a different look at it, more of a, a circular view. Um, when they look at putts, like you see it in a straight line, or you see it in a curve. Um, but when I put the dot on the top of the ball and just matched it up with the dot on my putter, so there's no line. Um, it was just two dots. And I, I mean, I could hit some of the freest putts. I mean, the ball was hugging the ground. And it was great. I just felt like, and I, I tried it. I went back and forth, but when I got inside of 10 feet, I was like, that line really helped me kind of like what we were talking about. Like I can make this putt straight. Like it's easier to make a, you know, eight footer or seven footer, a straight putt. It's a lot harder to do that from 15, 20, 30 feet. You really are just relying on speed. Um, but it was a, it, it was a great lesson. That guy's a really, really smart guy. He's a bright, bright mind when it comes yeah. to the world of putting. He really is. I, Jay, I definitely agree with you on those short putts. I rely on a putter that has a pretty big alignment aid on it. I don't put a lot of focus on it, but I think my feeling is that it allows me to align it quickly and zero in my spot quickly without feeling like I need to spend a bunch of time on it because I'm able to align that line to my target and feel like I'm, I'm, I'm pushing the ball down that line, not pushing, but you get what I'm saying. Moving the ball down that line. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I've I've gone back and forth trying different putters. I mean, Mikey, we've gone through it, and and I've I've worked with the PXG guys uh, in the past, and they've and we've all looked at it. And I'm like, hey, they're some of the best. They are. Um, and we've tried different putters, different mallet style putters, because we talked about this, you know, about the, some of the guys. It's kind of split down the middle with between mallet and and more of the blade conventional style putter. So I was like, all right, let me give this a shot. If there's any chance to get some technical technological advantage advantage then let's give it a shot and no matter what putter i try that's not a blade i always put worse with it and it just i i guess it's a, like i said i guess it's a rhythm thing and a more of a visual thing and i just can't seem to find the flow because the putters are a little heavier and maybe that's maybe that's the, the yeah so like i use a what would you call it mclean you know my putter a wide flange blade yeah, yeah, so it's a blade, but it's bigger than your standard Newport answer, you know, yeah. blade style. And to me, it just adds a little weight, which I like. But I feel like, and I've messed around with a bunch of mallets too, Jay. I feel like it almost, the bigger head almost makes me try to have the perfect path and arc and where yeah. I can just kind of feel it a little bit more in my hands. And it might not be, like you said, it might not be perfect every time, but. Um, even I, I use the line like inside 15 feet, I use a line, but even then sometimes it's more of just kind of a rough, a rough guide for yeah. me. Um, yeah. I don't really use it outside of 15, 20 feet. It's more cause it's just like, Hey, I'm more, way more about speed at that point than I am getting so, super zeroed in on a, on a perfect line. Exactly. And so to that point, you know, you'd be, if, if we really looked at, say if every, if every player got on you know, the Sam putt lab, or, I mean, now they've got, the track man still doesn't measure club. They just measure balls, ball stats. They don't give you any club head stats, right? Correct. Um, So any, any, any uh, other than the Sam putt lab, I don't know anything else that really tracks the club. And it used to be a system called biomax. Truvis is really good. Okay. Yeah. Quintech and a couple others. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Quintech. Truvis is the Callaway ball technology. That that was Um, impressive for me to come up with that. (laughs) I apologize. Um, but I I would say if you, you know, you talked about making, everyone talks about making a repeatable stroke. 
you'd be surprised at how many, how different each one of these strokes is. And now I, in the grand scheme of things, you know, it's, they, they are pretty consistent, but they are not the same stroke. I mean, you look at the best putter in the world, you know, Tiger Woods for the forever putting a same 10 footer. He's not making this. He's not making a, a putting stroke. That's the a path is going back and, you know, a degree and a half and the face is opening three degrees. I mean, one of them, he takes it back two degrees to the inside, opens at seven. But what does he do? His body corrects because he's got that feel in his hands. He's got a good sense of rhythm. He's got a, he's an incredible athlete. So he's got that feel in his hands. His body knows how to uh, adapt and adjust. Every golf swing is like that. You know, every golf swing, it's just the people who have very similar golf swings, it's so much easier for them to correct and make those adjustments. And I think the biggest difference is for, you know, high handicappers, they, one, they don't have that sense of rhythm and that repeatability. So their variance is so big that their, their, their bodies aren't able to make those little minor corrections that these guys. But I would, I would also play. agree that some of that variance comes from trying to make a perfect stroke and sure. losing, losing focus on what the desired result is, which is yeah, getting the ball in the hole. And I think if there's one thing that I could tell to the listeners, especially on those short putts, just focus on trying to make make the putt just focus on trying to put the ball in the hole forget the stroke absolutely yeah. forget the stroke um if you're also someone that's a higher handicap putting with a blade putter invest in a mallet with a flow neck or a, a plumber's neck mm -hmm. because it has the same face rotation that a blade does but it gives you a much higher moi and gives you a much better chance of delivering enough speed on your slight miss hits that it will hold your line and and, and go in the hole if you're someone that's over a seven, eight handicap, and you are putting with a blade putter, I urge you to please get fit properly, especially if you don't find like you don't find that putting is your absolute best part of your game. If you feel like putting is the best part of your game and you're a seven handicap and you, you don't feel like you're any good tee to green, you may be the the anomaly there. But at, at the end of the day, if you're someone that struggles on the greens, you're putting with a blade putter, Speed control, number one, is probably you're going to be your biggest issue that you're facing because people don't think about miss hitting a putt. And I promise you it happens more often than not, even with tour players. When you see a putt that ends up short, most of the time it's a slight miss hit, and we see it happen all the time. If you have a, a larger head, that, that mallet head that we're now seeing with guys. And I'd love to see the statistic on that same chart, Mike, that you sent over in terms of grip as to what putter they're using and what design, because what I've noticed, especially when you look at some of the top players out there, we see so many guys and including myself, which I'm not putting myself in their category, but at the same time, when we look at people that have, have switched over to this technology, we see a lot of guys using that small mallet with a plumber's neck or a small flow neck that allows them to create the same open and close ratio that a blade offers, but offers a higher MOI technology benefit of a mallet. And that is a huge, huge benefit. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think we did. We did pull that stat. It was, I don't know, it was golf digest maybe a year ago. And it was the top 50 putters in the world. And it was pretty much split down the middle. Now, granted it wasn't as specific to what you're saying, that smaller, you know, that smaller blade, with the flow neck or the plumber's neck, it, it was just mallet in general, but it was, so this, it was split down the middle. This is an old article from April. It wasn't the end of the year, top 10, but in April, the top 10 putters in strokes gain putting on the PGA tour, six were mallets. 
And I would bet all six of those are not face balance mallets. I would bet uh, almost all six of them are uh, either a plumber's neck or a short flow neck that allows them to create an open and close ratio similar to that of a blade, because that has been one of the biggest technology changes in putting that we've seen over the past 10 years. If you look at a player like Dustin Johnson, for example, who was a, a decent, okay putter with his blade, he switched to that mallet and became number one player in the world. Looks like a couple of them, judging by the pictures, looks like a couple of them are face balanced, judging by the necks they have on them. But a couple are definitely not face balanced. So, but yeah, like your, your point, the two biggest things I care about when I work with a student on putting is a consistent rhythm to their stroke. Do they have the same pace to their stroke? And can they hit it in the center of the club face? Which is weird to say for a putt, but I don't even necessarily care that much. It's a huge thing, Mike. About path i don't care i don't even care that much about the face angle as long as it's if you have a good rhythm and you're hitting the center of the club face yeah. it's only going to be but so far off and then the other thing too is like we've talked about in the past the expectations if my students can do that they're going to three putt less and they're going to shoot lower scores because the best players in the world make 40 percent of their putts from 10 feet so what is the average amateur going to do manage your expectations just if you great. make one great Take it. It's a bonus. Don't expect to make them. Try to make them, but don't expect to make them. If you can just have a nice rhythm and hit it in the center of the face, it's going to be pretty damn close, and you're going to be scooping the next one because your buddy is going to be giving it to you. Yeah. And there's just less stress on your game, yeah, especially, especially if you're, if well, you're over you, a 10 handicap. On some of those greens at the foundry, especially, speed is your friend. If Without speed, yeah, you're going to struggle. So that was good. That was a good little education segment there. I love that. I love when we get, um, I can go down that rabbit hole all day. Yeah. I love that. But yeah. So Danny Willett missed the putt. He three putted. Yeah, uh, we, we solved, we solved everyone's problems. We solved the whole world's putting problems right there. Uh, uh, Dave Pels actually just texted me. He wants to end <laughs> No, he, actually don't listen, us don't listen to Dave Pels. There's a lot of great putting coaches. Don't listen to Dave no, Pels. I'm kidding. The I, rocket. Do, I do love Dave. Uh, uh, not Dave Pels, but I do love uh, Brad Faxon's uh, videos that he posts. Yes, yeah. it, it is. I mean, it's fun to watch him. I mean, he, like we said, he's one of the best putters of all time. And I think if you go back, I think overall, and Mike, I know you're this, you're really big in the stats, but I, I saw this stat. If you go back to when they first started um, counting or, or tracking strokes game putting, uh, the history of strokes game putting, I think Brad Faxon still ranks number one as the most strokes gain uh, putting, but and Tiger is a close second. I don't know if that's the case. I remember seeing it at one time. This was in, within the last couple of years, but uh, he, I mean, there's a reason. Like it's not because he missed a lot of greens and, and got up and down and had the least amount of putts every, every round. That's what everybody thought for the longest time. They're like, you know, Brad Fax is not a great ball striker. He hits, you know, 10, 11 greens around and gets up and down six out of the seven of those or whatever. Um, you know, that's, that's why he's a great putter. Cause he's chipping it close. And I'm like, I don't think so. I think it's cause he makes a lot of putts. I think he's just really good at putting ball really goes in the hole after he hits it a lot. Yep. And yep. Andy is a great, and he does have a great short game. He does have a good short game. Yeah. yeah. He's a great chipper and pitcher of the golf ball. So I will say that too, but something else I wanted to say, but I forget now. So yeah. All right. Let's get back into the 40 net. Cause I want to talk Max Homa. Is he the real deal now? I will go back on a statement I made probably a year ago 
when he started doing those swing videos and became a little bit of a commodity, it seemed like it freed him up. And all of a sudden he, it, it goes back to the, the simplest form. Uh, and Jay, Jay knows this very well of all of a sudden being comfortable on the range. All of a sudden you got a couple of guys coming up to you. They're chatting you up. You're, you're somebody for whatever it is. And solidified. You're, you're solidified. Validified. For, validified <laughs> for, for whatever, for whatever it may be. Right. It, it may be his swing videos. It may be play. I think now it's, it's, it's really more for play. Um, but there was a long time where all of a sudden it felt like his breakthrough came in line with him being accepted on a major social media platform. And he became cool or known or however you want to look at it. And all of a sudden it, it, I feel like it freed him up and the guy has absolutely released the floodgate since then. And you got to have respect for what he's done. He seems like a pretty good dude. I mean, at the end of the day, he seems like a great guy. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I mean, a big fan of him in general, and he seems like someone I'd love to sit down and probably drink a beer with. I think he has yeah. a lot of cool and interesting perspectives on things. Yeah, I've been a Max Homer for a while just because of his, like you said, the social media stuff. And um, I love a good roasting and when, you know, just funny, witty humor. And so he caught my eye on social media years ago, and I've kind of just, you know, followed him because of that and kind of rooted for him. And then if you do listen to any interviews, with Max Homa and you come away, not liking the guy. Ah, oh, man, I think something's wrong with you. Um, yeah. Because yeah, he's, he's super is, witty, but humble at the same he's time. Which so is he's so humble. He do. has it in perspective, but you can tell he also is a competitor and grinds his ass off too, yeah. but he doesn't come off as this egotistical guy. He's like entertaining to, to listen to in interviews when he does other podcasts. And um, yeah. And now you look at his actual golf game. Right. So the, I love him on social media. I think he's a great guy, but now you look at his actual golf game and I'm, I'm just pulling up strokes gain from last year, since this year's only one event deep 25th off the tee, 36th approach to green 57th around the green 27th putting 24th tee to green 13th overall. I mean, no, no weakness. I mean, top 60 in every stat. And now he's able to finally get it done and close which it seems like he does a lot when he's up there. He's he's getting it done. I mean, hell, Ricky Fowler, same number of wins. I mean, I know Ricky has the popularity and the commercials and and that kind of thing, and he hasn't won as much as we would have expected. But, um, yeah, I love to see it. He doesn't have a major weakness. And now, like you said, McLean, he feels like he belongs out there. And this is a guy that, when he first got his card, he missed 15 of 17 cuts. That's unbelievable. And then in his hey, final... Justin Justin Rose had a worse season than that starting off. Yes, he did. Um, and then I forget what year it was, but on the Corn Ferry Tour, he had to, in his last event of the year, to secure his card, he had to make the cut. And he was a few over par or a few off the line. He birdied his last four holes of the last Corn Ferry Tour event to make the cut on the number to secure his card. Like, so the guy has some balls too. And he's not, you know, he's been kicked in. Someone could easily miss 15 of 17 cuts and just like, oh, fuck, you know, and mess the guy up forever. 
And so it's not like it's just been easy from him. He was, you know, kind of highly touted at Cal and just come came out with, you know, not much success early on in his professional career. So kind of grind through is pretty admirable as well. And now he's a he's getting to the point where he's a kind of a household name, you know. Yeah, I mean, he's up there all the time. You're going to see him this week in the President's Cup, and he's up to 16th in the world rankings. He's legitimately one of the top Americans right now. He's he's got. I mean, he's got a lot lot working for him. His golf swing is good. He's a, a good putter, decent putter. Um, he's he's got a good short game. Although that that one that he chipped in, I definitely think. He nipped it good, but I think he caught it like a half a groove low. It came out just a little hot. It had some it had spin on it, but didn't have enough spin early enough. And he just hit. I mean, he hit the just pin right. dead center. Yeah, and it just nose nose dived in. Yeah, that's one of those. It was landing on a down slope, downhill to that short sided flag. He caught it just a hair thin. It, I did see a side angle. It looked like it had like a actually a ton of side spin on it. It almost like went in the the side door when it hit. Yeah. Uh, but that thing was going six, seven, eight feet by easy. At least, yeah. Yeah, but um, it's in. It found it's, the bottom. It's in the bottom of the cup, and he's the winner. Um, so he's leading the FedEx Cup points for 2023, huh? He is. Yeah, <laughs> he's number one. Number one on the FedEx Cup points it's, list. I, I would. I wonder what the stats are on the guys who win these these fall events. I know that we. I think they're these are going away next. This is the last year of them. This is yeah. the last year. I'd be curious, you know, there's what, five or six events? I think there might even be six or seven. Is it, is it six or seven? Okay. Um, but like, uh, that's a big head start on the year, you know, f- when there's not a lot of guys, you know, the top guys playing. Like, if you're able to get out ahead of them with a win and a top, a couple top tens, I mean, you jump way up. I'd, I'd be just curious to see who, whoever like kind of led the FedEx Cup points at the end of the fall season, where they end up finishing every year. And there's actually high. nine. There's actually nine events. Nine. Holy I'm a little bit surprised, knowing what we do about how much that accelerates, that we don't see more guys that are hot after the FedEx Cup play a couple more events and take advantage of yeah. you know, striking while the iron's hot. I understand why they don't because it is a grueling schedule for a lot of guys. Um, like I see Wu Kim, for example. I mean, guys that are playing 13, 14 events. Like, what is it to add? two or three in the fall and go ahead and give yourself that extra boost. If you, if you're, you know, I really mean, trying always, to win the FedEx cup uh, list. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity there. And you'll, like. you'll see some guys, some of the big names. I know they, uh, the CJ cup, which is going to be at Congaree in South Carolina this year. It's Rory my just, favorite, my favorite course. Yep. Rory just committed to that. He's also the defending yeah. champ of the CJ cup, but you'll get some of these guys that, to do one well, or two. I feel events. like CJ cups, a little bit of a different event. That's not necessarily what I would consider a normal fall series event. That's a pretty big event. Is that a? That's not a WGC event, is it? No, no, it's not. It's a. It's, I mean, it's oh, ten ten and a half million dollar purse. Uh, this week was eight million. The Zozo this fall has a bigger purse. It's eleven million. That's actually in Japan, though. So that's a, a much bigger commitment. Well, in the CJ Cup that's used to a- only be played in um, South Korea, also because yeah. CJ is yeah. a Korean foods company. Yeah, and I think what? ever since. Zozo is not a WGC event, is it? Or is nope. it? Nope. I thought they did one in the fall. They, they used to have the HSBC. That's that's what it was. Yeah. But they got rid of that a few years ago. Um, okay. I've, I haven't been paying attention for two years now <laughs> to the fall. <laughs> so welcome to the show, Jay. Thanks, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. We're doing a yeah, podcast. We're on the emergency nine <laughs> podcast is what we're on, Jay. Pinky's up. Pinky's up. 
No. And so, I mean, so these, I guess these events won't go away. They're, they're not going to have FedEx cup points next year associated with them. And they're going to be some sort Will of they qualification. Be official money. Will they be official money? It'll be official money, but it's going to be used as an extension of like the corn Ferry tour finals and to get people's because they're only going to give 70 cards next year. Only 70 guys make it to the FedEx cup playoffs, or I guess this season they're going to have to kind of figure out everyone's priority list on the guys that have conditional and partial status and the corn Ferry tour guys, the fall series will be used at that, but they will not be giving out FedEx cup points for, will it. that be a big shakeup in the guys that have, you know, they, they play on a, a cuts made exemption or, uh, guys that play on your know, past winter exemption. I hope I'm so. I'm interested to see how that shakes out for some of those guys. And I hope it does introduce a lot of new blood to the PGA tour. I hope we get a lot of new opportunities for young upcoming players. And I'm, I'm also, I'm also interested to see though, how it does shape out for some of the veterans. I mean, this has to limit some of their playing opportunities. And I think in some cases it's right, but in, as, as always, there's going to be a couple of guys that aren't going to have the same opportunities that, they may have had before to yeah. reignite their game. So yeah, it'll be so very I, interesting. And it may be it may be a good thing for the sport. Maybe it goes back to where these guys have to pay pay play for pay. Uh okay. and maybe that's that's better on that side. It, it's another conversation for a PGA tour versus live golf opportunity. But at the same time, we will we will see how it transpires. I mean it would be I, tough I, for us I, to go down I that think, road right now. I, I agree uh, wholeheartedly. I think that it should be less of these I hate to use the word, but grandfather grandfathered in these grandfathered categories where these past champions that are not on top of their game. And I get it. I mean, you you feel like you've earned your spot. Um, and I do think there's a there is a place for that, but it's got it, it, the spots are that they, they need to be limited, in my opinion. Like we need if you're, you know, the top guy in that category means that you probably are still playing a lot of golf. You're playing well, but like, it's all about how well are you playing now? If you were a past champion 20 years ago and you play five times a year, like how competitive are you going to be? You know? Um, And I I think it's fair to give those spots to some of these guys who are actually playing highly competitive golf. You know, it certainly opens it up to make it more relatable to all other major professional sports because Anytime there's a new opportunity that exists, it gets filled with some young upcomer. It may be from the minor leagues moving up to the bigs, getting into the show. It could be someone from a practice squad in the NFL getting a chance with you know playing in the big on the big team. Uh, it could be someone playing from the G League in the NBA that gets called up and now they're playing in the big league. Uh, you know, there it certainly makes it more relatable to I think other professional sports. Um, what that transpires into and where, where that goes is that is that better for the viewers is that better for the people there in person I, I don't know yet but i definitely think it opens up more opportunities and makes it more relatable to what we see across uh major sports in today's uh sports climate yeah so i think i think it's definitely going to get more turnover obviously more fresh blood with only given 70 guys that may cards. not be a bad thing. I don't necessarily. No, think I think that's a great. I think that's a great thing. Um, I think may, we'll appreciate the top, you know, forty or fifty guys who stay out there every year a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I, I don't know though. To your point, is I don't know. Is if, that not enough though? What do you mean? Are 
in going back to relating this to other major sports is 50 perennial players enough to keep a brand afloat. And I'm saying that on both sides. I mean, that, that number is still very close to what we see at live at the same time. So this is something I'm bringing up for both, both sides of things. Well, I mean, I think it all depends just on the turnover you have. Um, I mean, you, you, I mean, from an entertainment product, you do need recognizable names year after year. And so if there was too much turnover, then the sure. fan, the fan is not going to be able to latch behind a certain player if they're on the PJ tour, then on the coin ferry tour, then on the PJ tour, then on the coin ferry tour. Correct. Right. And so from an entertainment standpoint, you know, maybe you want more guys to have a have a card to stay on so you, you can see the same guy year after year. But does it, does it potentially the PJ Tour is going to have to do uh, spend an uh, enormous amount of money um, in their uh, the media the side of things and interviewing these players and making sure that all the viewers know who the hell's playing. You know, if you've got a big if you've got a high turnover, um, the only way people are going to latch on to players is if they get an inside scoop on who they are and what they are to try to connect with them. And if they don't do that, then they're missing the boat. And then now we only look at the top fifty guys. And I don't know who the other hundred guys are because they don't show us. Uh, we, we, we've talked about that a little bit. The MLB yeah. does a poor job of that. Like, who are these guys? I don't know them. I mean, I know Aaron Judge. I mean. No, I, I don't disagree, Jay. And the one thing I will say that's a benefit from this, playing devil's advocate on the other side, the opposite side, is that it does enhance Corn Ferry events, which is a yeah. subsidiary brand of the PJ Tour. Yeah, it, it's yeah, you're right. It's like, like All of a sudden, you're going to get – more tour winners. You're going to get more household names in those events also. Yeah. So uh, what could be, it could be a good thing for both, you know? Well, it, it certainly could be, and it can certainly drive revenues up in the, on the corn fairy side of things. I don't know that that offsets it enough to foot the bill, but mm-hmm. it, there is some positive on that side as well. Yeah. Just looking at both sides of, sure. of being half full. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what shakes out because I think what we see this year is not going to be what we see next year or even two it's, years from it's now. It's in the absolute infancy stages. You We're going to see changes over the next five to ten years, I think, while they develop this new product and this new brand. I love um, it. I think it's great. I can't I, wait I think to a see lot it. of it is good. I think there's going to be some guys that benefit. I think there's going to be some guys that get screwed. Uh, but time will tell and you know it should make for uh if nothing else good podcast so speaking about product did you guys watch your live golf this week cam smith wins in live chicago how far outside of chicago was it It it's like an hour (laughs) well it's like the boston event they had that was a good hour it was yeah Live Boston and live yeah. Chicago. Look, saw a bunch of the same. <laughs> if you don't know, Mike keeps getting better. Saying that in quotations. Yeah, yeah. Right. I don't think the listeners can't see your correct. Right? They didn't pick up on that. Nothing yeah. to do with the product they put out. Okay, it continues to get better. It, uh, it does get better. I will uh, honestly. I'm. I'm not. I, I do. Look, I'm calling a spade a spade here. I'm calling a spade a spade. It is getting better. It is getting pretty. But that's somewhat expected. We're, we're we're only five events in still. 
Their product Are we? Is getting I better. lost track. I, I, Their field is getting better. We don't know what it's going to end up like, but at the end of the day, they put on a very similar golf tournament with a little bit better field. We're going to see what that continues to look like. I do think that they are in a place where they need to shake up the four aces team. Um, They're running away with it. I mean, come it's on, pointless. but it's, it's almost expected. They, they group those players together and then expect them to win every event. I mean, come on. And, and that's, that's my biggest downside right now as a, you fan, fan, the four fan. aces fan because I like I like DJ, I like Pat Perez, I like Taylor Gooch. Um, Who likes Taylor Gooch? Taylor Gooch is the most non likable guy. I like. Him. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying not likable. He's just so like ambivalent. Like it's just like it's just Taylor Gooch. Like no one likes him or hates him. It's like no, I, <laughs> I get that, I get that. But if you couple Dustin Johnson with Patrick Reed, Pat Perez, and Taylor Gooch. You're gonna have a hard time not winning a bunch in oh in, well yeah, they're solid format in that format. They're they're a good squad. They got three of the top ten we, guys on the tour on I one think, team. Yeah, I think we need and to probably Pat shake, and then Pat yeah. Perez. <laughs> and Pat Perez is a good follow. Look, I, I think they probably need to shake that up a bit. I don't know how you do that at this point, but ultimately, if these guys win every event this year, you're gonna lose some interest in the team competition and the team I aspect agree. of it. Hundred um, percent. It needs to be shooken up a little bit. I don't know exactly how you do that at this point, but it, I, I think it's still early enough where you can go ahead and make some of those changes and restructure this to make a more competitive uh, uh, competitor uh, with them. Because right now they just they they are by far and away the best team out there. Um, I think the individual competition is is fantastic, but the team aspect of it, they have some work to do. So here you go, right? Um, Mike, did you like that criticism coming from me on that? Yeah, he's such a big man. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was trying to say some of this last week because you railed on me for not being open-minded. Um, the, 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 I'm not going to say TV production. The computer production is better than I would think it would be. Other than the commentators, I, I'm, I'm sorry. The commentators are not good. And this is not me being just a live basher. They're, they're not good. Other than Faraday. Faraday knows Faraday's that. good. But other than that, it's, it's awful. Uh, a couple of them don't know golf. A couple well, of I them like Troy Mullins, though. Are corny and cheesy. And it, it is just a propaganda machine of, oh, my God, look at how much they're smiling out here. They smile so much more out here. <laughs> Like, come on, how how dumb do you think I am? Spare me the propaganda bullshit, okay? But the graphics are pretty good. The stats are pretty good. The Even just like the intro music and the intro graphics and that kind of stuff, the production value is there. And, and it's not bad for only being five events in and they're building the plane while they're flying it kind of thing. Yeah. No, I agree. But... So and this is I'm just going to take this off of social media, and I, I don't mean in particular like one person in particular, but there was way less buzz it seemed like on social media this week. It seemed like I guess two weeks ago now in at the Boston event, the Massachusetts event, the I'm doing Boston Boston yeah. event. It seemed like there was some buzz to it. I'll say that, right? You had Cam Smith coming over. You had Joaquin Neiman. You had a new f- flock of guys coming over, a couple big names. 
you know, a couple of top 20 guys there with Joaquin and Cam. It was an exciting finish, playoff, big name wins. Like it seemed it had like a little bit of juice. It seems like that all went away this week for, I think, a couple of reasons. One, no, no new players, right? So they didn't have that to sell you. There was no change to the roster. And it was going up against football for the first time. And it, it wasn't yeah, that I think exciting really of a finish. Back to Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I mean, college football is still on Saturdays, and that's a big thing in a lot of major markets. Big thing here for me as well. But at the end of the day, the NFL is something that no major sport wants to compete against. Yeah. yeah. And so here's here's what I come down on. And this isn't really just a live take. This is a professional golf take. And I've, I felt sad over the weekend <laughs> because there was the 40 net championship. There was live golf. And then there was actually the Italian open where you had two top 10 players in the world playing. Rory McIlroy was in contention. Matthew Fitzpatrick was in contention. Bob McIntyre wins it in a playoff over Fitzpatrick. McIntyre is going to be a Ryder cup stalwart for the Europeans in the future. A couple other good names in contention from the European and I sat back and I thought, we just had three kind of shitty, uneventful golf tournaments. If it wasn't for, wasn't for Danny Willett gagging it on 18, which was in Homa chipping in, I was just like, man, yeah. this kind of stinks that we have all these guys spread all over the world playing on all these different tours. And I was just like, meh, meh. About the whole professional golf. Weekend. I mean, I, I look at that. I'm like, this is awesome. I love. I'm like, look this. Now we're doing something different. We're doing something that's gonna be fun. Like, let's make some changes. Like, so I get it. You're thinking more today. I'm thinking more year from now, two years from now, three years from now. Oh, what, what, what could we have in the future to break the monotony of what we've had up for the last thirty years? But I, I, I get it. If you're, if you're just focused solely on the present, then you're not gonna like the, the product and because it's fractured but you know well and that's because also the the future is so unknown and no one knows what the hell it's going to do so i'm not going to sit here and i can't just sit here and speculate and guess and be like oh this is going to happen or that's going to happen or yeah i know it's going to change i know it's going to be different and i'm not saying it's going to be the same it just sucks right now and that's all it's just like i'm just not that excited about professional golf right now i I, I can i can i can understand that yeah because if if you wanted to get the premium product like just one premium product we're we're not getting it at the moment no and and that's the other thing is i don't know if any of these organizations any of them no and we have have the best interest have the best interest of of professional golf and the fans at heart they none of them do the pga tour the dp world tour live golf they're focused on themselves they're all focused on themselves none of them none of them none of them i believe when they spout off all this bullshit and that's what i also i'm just look pessimistic about all of them but but hold on let me let me just i know we we don't want to harp on this too long but like we haven't had what we have now is not much different than what we've had for the last 30 years. I shouldn't say 30. I'd say when Tiger came in, let's say the last 20 years when he stopped playing real competitive golf in the teens. So the last 12 years, you know, we, we haven't had that. We've had the kind of generic of the same event over and over occasional major occasional big field event. So we've, this is no different. 
I mean, it's mm. been fractured for a long time. We haven't really not seen, this fractured, not maybe not quite this fractured, but again, uh, what this is different. I'm like, Oh, true, at least we got an opportunity. You know, I don't, is, are one of these tours going to be the, the tour that brings it all together? I, I think at some point, yes. I don't know which one it is. I would assume it's the PGA tour. In my opinion, I think they've, they've got the most history. They got the most tradition. And I think they're going to find a way to combat the money thing. But Again, whatever they do in, in order to bring these players back or keep these players over, there's going to be a big, uh, a big change and a big shakeup. So, you yeah. know, I, I, I just I don't, I don't disagree. I, I I know that we have three tours with three three of that are taking out three of the best players. Uh, I'm not saying three of the best, but but three tours taking out the best players. Then yeah, it's, you know, you're not getting the best product. But we I don't think we really have gotten the best product for a long time. So. Yeah, I, just, I think we're in a very interesting stage, and you are you're exactly right. And I think everyone wants to see the best players play on one stage. I would agree with that, even though it does diminish our viewership opportunities. On the again, I love to play devil's advocate and look at a lot of things half full. The one cool part about this week. What if I'm looking at half full? Does that mean that you're looking at half empty? I'm looking at this opportunity and where I'm looking at where, where we are currently in this state of golf and where the viewership product is. And I got to say, I enjoyed seeing Rory play in the DP world event. I got to wake up early. I got to watch that. And I enjoyed seeing that. I got to watch that early on in the day. It was nice seeing a player of Rory's caliber playing in that event and creating a little bit of um, commotion. Uh, as he was in contention. And then with Matthew Fitzpatrick as well, even though he lost that tournament in the playoff. Um, And then having the 40 net, which didn't have the best field in the world, but turned into a nice little drama field, 18th hole. And then also having live golf. Now that's me as being just someone who, you know, I, I like volume, <laughs> I guess would be my no, the, easiest way I to say I think that's a great on point. The, like, but on the, on the back side of that, on the back side of that, I think at the end of the day, and we are probably 24, 36, 48 months out from seeing what this looks like, but that everyone does end up playing in in one spot again. I I do believe that there will be some sort of um, conglomerate that takes place of what that looks like. I've got no clue, but I feel like eventually money will take over the TV rights of getting everyone together will be so astronomical that these parties will have no choice but to form some sort of partnership. And while I kind of look at it as this is pretty cool, I've got three golf tournaments to watch today. Um, I know I'm not the average viewer. I know I'm not the normal viewer. But to me, I look at it and it's like, hey, this this is great. Wake up, watch the DP World Tour. Uh, All of a sudden, I've got Liv and uh, PGA Tour coming on this afternoon. I've had, I've had worse things come across my plate is all I'm saying. So I look at it, the volume to me and and the three of us are diehard. We're not the average fan, right? We are diehard golf nerds, junkies, whatever, right? We are not the average fan. The volume to me is like overwhelming. Like I, you want me to pay attention to three fucking golf tournaments today it's too, it's too much for your on, brain. <laughs> on on top of the nfl football on top of my two fantasy teams on top of my gambling on top of the premier league soccer that i follow on top of clemson football on top of my family and my job 
fucking too much, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's too much. Quit, you've quit got too many. You've got too many things that you're. Yeah, in. quit following soccer. We can eliminate that. <laughs> I I played soccer. For you're like an American. S- since I was till I, I was, I could walk till I was 17 years old. So next to golf, Actually I played that more than more than any other. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> um, but it's just like, oh my god, I I can't keep up with three tours. I can't do it. Yeah, it's just it's just way too much. And if I can't, if I am an absolute golf junkie, and I can't, what's the average guy gonna do? They're going to stop paying attention too. You did just name off 10 other extracurricular activities. Yeah. I have no fantasy. I don't think most people don't watch soccer. (laughs) Yeah. I like, I love football, but I'll play daily on Sundays. I'm so exhausted. I I don't even have time to bitch about the fucking Red Sox right now. Like I can't even get to them because they're like number 10 on my like to-do list. Like, you know, it's my job, my family. And then it's all the, extracurricular activities i can't even get to bitching about the red sox which is one of the things we do the best in my family i can't even get to it <laughs> did um, he say collicular sure <laughs> add that next to validified i uh, just oh. i don't know it's just like oh god it's too much like in it but seriously from a from a serious standpoint how is the average fan going to keep up with all of this and keep in touch with oh who won this? Who won that? What's going on here with this guy? Some of these guys are going to start to blend in and become irrelevant from a star studded. I, I don't. I don't disagree. But the cream will rise to the top. I'm a firm yeah. believer that the that firm goes. believer that the cream will rise to the top, regardless of what platform it's on. I think eventually there there is some sort of partnership that will be made. And I think at the end of the day, it will probably be better than anything we are seeing currently. I'm very interested interested to see what this Rory Tiger deal shakes out as. It seems very similar to the golf sixes thing that the European tour has done. And I will say their highlights are great. I've not tuned into a live event of that, but I've loved watching some of the highlights. It, it opens up golf to a little bit different of an audience. It relates it more of what I call the top golf crowd, which I'm not saying is anything negative because it does bring so many more people to the game. And I think top golf in general has given people an avenue where they can go and make some swings and all of a sudden create some sort of allegiance with the game or some sort of familiarity with the game to where they get to the point like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go buy a set of golf clubs. I'm going to go out and try to play a real round. And I think that's, that's so instrumental with the growth uh, that we're seeing currently in this industry. And I think at the end of the day, we're going to see some of that similar growth be a byproduct of what's happening now. Again, I'm not saying the current state is the best state that golf can be in. I find it entertaining from my aspect because I'm a degenerate junkie that just likes having golf on nonstop and walking by the TV and being able to keep up with the event. I mean, I'll say this. I don't sit down and watch the DP live and PJ tour from start to finish. I don't have that kind of time. I got young kids. No, no one does. It's, it's, it's not real life, but I do have it on. We spend a lot of time in our backyard and hanging out and just letting the kids run amok. And I do have it on the TVs outside. And I, I like just being able to kind of turn up and be like, Oh, someone just made a bogey or someone just made a birdie, whatever it is that may not be real life for everyone else. But to me, I find an entertainment, uh, I find an entertaining aspect to having the ability to do that. Now where that stands up against NFL, um, 
one of those tournaments is getting turned off. I'm sorry. It is what it is. I'm going to have red zone on and most likely the, the local event on the other TV. Um, but it, it, it is something that to me does offer an entertaining, um, aspect to the sport that we've never seen before because we've never seen top players play across three different tours. But I'm also someone that loves watching the USGA amateur events as much as I like watching the PGA tour, if not, if not more so some of those match play (laughs) tournaments or some of those match play events, when they get down to the final matches offer some incredible drama that maybe only a golf junkie can find at the end of the day. It's something that I think is going to continue to evolve. I think, both products, if we look at just PJ Tour and Live, are going to continue to get better. I think with the new shakeup on the PJ Tour, we're going to see the Corn Ferry events also get better. I again, I don't think that the revenue created by that or generated by that is going to offset what you may lose from having them play on the PJ Tour. But time will tell. I've been wrong often, and I'm not one to not admit when I am wrong. Um. Yeah. We'll we'll see. You guys seem to be a little more positive on the future um i just don't trust any of these fuckers so <laughs> i, I have I just that. and i have about no reason to trust them so any of them they do the, they do the right thing PGA tour live tour dp tour all all the above i don't well, really it, trust it, any of them it, to do the right thing at the end of the day we all know what talks and we all know what's real money will always bring the crowd I think eventually the well, no, can- no, it, it won't. I mean, the, they still have to put out a good product to bring the crowd. I'm I'm sorry. I'm talking about participation. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. I'm talking about if they don't have any fans, if they this sport starts to lose, if they start to alienate the fans and fans stop watching, the TV deals mm-hmm. go away, the ad dollars go away. If the product yeah. suffers, then they lose us, which means it goes, it turns into boxing or tennis well, or. No, I, I, I don't agree at all. I, I mean, I'm sorry. I agree wholeheartedly. What I will say is that I do think that a TV, TV deal of some sort will get made. We don't know what it looks like because as of right now, the reports back is, is that a lot of major networks have deemed the Libtor too toxic which is somewhat surprising to me because it would seem like something that can generate that much of a buzz would be an opportunity for some brand that may not be your major brands um, to incorporate There's, that into their lineup. Now, at least there wasn't that much of a buzz this past weekend because their YouTube viewership was cut in half compared to the Boston event. I, I don't, I, I gotta be honest. I don't view the YouTube viewership as real. Um, because- yeah, but just comparing it for, I, I know it's, I know you can't compare YouTube viewers to TV viewers, but just right. comparing it against itself from two weeks ago was cut in half. I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with that. So I think once the viewership gets on a major platform, it will be much closer. I, I do agree that as of right now, the YouTube viewership is, it pales in comparison to what it should be. It pales in comparison to what any other major tour offers. I would bet that the corn Ferry tour or the LPGA tour is garnering more views currently because it's, it's on a major, a major network. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I get that. I get that. I'm not saying that I'm just comparing it against itself. 100%. I think the, the dip, like I said earlier, the big dip was because they, they try to go against NFL football and, and well, no successful. The PGA tour is not successful in that. No, they're not. Let me throw one other thing out there. Let me just throw one other thing out there, though. 
the average golfer, this is a proven statistic. The average golfer is a 54 year old male. The average, this is not a negative. All I'm saying is that the average person over 54 may not, again, for all of our viewers, I'm not targeting anyone. I'm just speaking on statistics here. That the average person at that age is not used to streaming stuff on potentially YouTube. Oh, I get that. It's, yeah. not as, it's not as convenient to them to stream it on YouTube. I agree with that. That's not an attack on that age group by any stretch of the imagination. It's just more of a, a reality and looking at statistics when it comes behind the social involvement of our different age groups that we have out there currently. So I, I don't know what that it's impossible to quantify of how that translates over into their current viewership versus what their potential viewership is. But I think we would all agree that if it goes onto a major network, the viewership becomes much more competitive with, with the other tournaments that are being produced. We'll see. We'll see how it, we'll see how it shakes out. I think it all sucks. So (laughs) I'll be the negative Nancy on here. Do you It's late breaking news, late breaking news here. (laughs) I'm talking about the PGA tour too. I think it all sucks. Hey, I will. I do have some late breaking news though. Aaron judge just tied Babe Ruth for the single season. Yeah, um, I've got I've AL, got it right here. I just it's watched. It's weird. It. Like, how do you say this? AL record outside of the steroid era. Like, we've got there. We've got a whole little our own little list, which I, I do think it's substantial. I know this is a golf podcast, but I, this guy's like. I know you're not a Yankees fan, but this guy's a good dude. Yeah, I don't well, recognize that, any. I don't acknowledge specimen. any achievement in that jersey. So, uh, I mean, this guy—he's well, a stand-up. It, would be, it makes sense why you wouldn't acknowledge greatness, Mike. You're a Red Sox fan. <laughs> now we're gonna get in a shouting match. Let's <laughs> fucking go! I don't oh, support um, or acknowledge anyone that wears a swastika on their head like the New York Yankees wear. <laughs> oh, we now we're wow. really touching. Wow. We're touching all the bases here. Wow! Um, all right, let's. We got. We got to move on. I, I'm gonna skip a couple other things I had on on my agenda because we're running way late. We gotta um, get. It's it's Presidents Cup week. We gotta get to the Presidents Cup. Yeah. You okay, McLean? You're talking to yourself. You're over there. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. I was looking at All the right. pres- I was looking at the DraftKings format, and I was struggling for a second to understand what was going on, and it, it reoccurred to me exactly what we're looking at. Yeah. So, uh, Presidents Cup this week. These team events are fun. The only time I want to see team golf um, is really. I don't even really care about the Presidents Cup that much. If they get rid of it, I'm okay with it. It's not much of a contest. I don't anticipate this being much of a contest this year, but the the glitz and the glamour and the pageantry of it all is is pretty cool. And you get to watch 12 Americans just beat the pants off of 12 internationals. And I feel bad for Trevor Element because he is a stand-up guy, a fantastic gentleman, great golf swing, master's champion, and a Clemson Tiger fan. So he's got a lot going for him. Hey, sorry, before we keep going, this quick shout out to uh, Ricky Sullivan, my longtime coach at Bulls Bay, his son, Briggs Sullivan, just committed to play baseball at Clemson. Uh, What an an awesome accomplishment it is for that guy. I mean, that is a big time. His daughter already goes there to Clemson. 
And I'm sorry. His daughter's already at Clemson, yeah. but they've been lifelong Clemson fans forever. And it's just uh, literally like a dream come true for him. So shout out to, to Briggs, yeah, absolutely. buddy, Shannon and Ricky and Aislinn. Um, you're all Tiger fans and I'll throw Shannon in there. She's a Gamecock, but she has to pull for the Tigers because the rest of her family likes them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm married I'll, to a I'll Gamecock push- too. An awesome accomplishment for uh, Briggs, but at the same time, um, awesome for Ricky too. I mean, so uh, cool for their I mean, family. Yeah, that's so awesome. And, and you know, the, that's yeah, amazing. People, and um, people don't. Re- I mean, I, I'm sure they do realize, but I mean, uh, Shannon and and Ricky have been driving Briggs uh, and Aislinn too. She played soccer, you know, collegiate soccer too. But they they did everything for their kids in terms of giving them every opportunity to be successful. And they just so happen to have two kids that are just super uh, passionate about what they did. They're very respectful. They work hard. They're dr- dedicated. They're driven. All the things that you'd want. And you've got parents that provide them with all the resources, and they're going to do everything they can. Um, and I say all the resources. I'm not saying that they had <laughs> they had money to just waste on this. I mean, they sacrificed a lot to take both of their children to, I mean, all over the state, they're playing travel teams that not just in South Carolina, I'm saying North Carolina, Georgia. So it's a, it's a big accomplishment for both of them. I'm super happy for them. Um, and that's a kind of a, speaks a lot dream to, uh, speaks a lot to how great uh, Briggs's parents are. So they're good. That's, that's, the that's pretty awesome. Pretty tip awesome. Of the, tip of the cap. Yeah. Congrat, congrats. Congrats. Way family. to go. Way to go. Sullivan's. Um, go anyway, Tigers. Go I Tigers. just had to throw it in there. Go Tigers. That's they right. just came out a couple days ago. But um, yeah, let's get to the President's Cup. Yeah. So what do you guys make of this this week's President's Cup? That Quail Hollow Golf Course everyone's familiar with. The formality. Uh, they did. This they did change up their routing. It's not going to be a good event. It might not be. You're. I, I'm. What's the prediction? It, it, Score prediction. I hope it is. I hope. I hope the. I hope the U.S. team. I hate to say this. I'm obviously a U.S. fan. I hope they. They overvalue themselves, and we have a fun match on Sunday, and USA still wins. But that's that's just me. What's the score prediction? I think we win by probably three and a half, four points. Oh, it's way more than that. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be three and a half, four points. I think it's going to be just close enough. McLean, I think it's a slaughter fest. It's unfortunate, but I think it's a slaughter fest. I think the USA wins by damn near double digits. Whoa. So you're thinking, so I almost want to make a wager on this. I don't know if it's even available. Um, I'd put the over under at seven and I'll take the over. So what's I, the, I wanna, to, the, the total points for this is there's uh, 20 total points for this. 20 total points. Oh, sorry, yeah. 30, sorry, 30, 30 total points. Yeah, 15 and a half retains the cup, correct? Yes. Whereas the Ryder Cup is? There's 28. 28. So if you get four, that's right. 14 and a half was like the magic number. Yeah. yeah. I think 15 and a half re- retains the cup for the U S and I think, I think that it's going to be a, a damn near double digit victory for the U S which is, which I gotta be honest, which I gotta be honest is unfortunate. Yeah. As a U.S. fan pulling for the U S without question, but is right, there here's a possibility. Here's a- is there a possibility that you can win the cup. I didn't, I'm just didn't know about how many matches were played, but they, they could essentially get 15 and a half points before Sunday. Yeah. So here's, here's a, here's a gamble. Happen? Here's a gamble for you. Which side you taking? Does the U S team 
close it out on Saturday or does the international team win the whole thing? What's more likely to happen? U.S. team closes out on Saturday. No Without way. question. That's It's never been done before. The fields have never been this week before. That's true. What what are, what are the odds, Mikey? I know you have this. Uh, so the um, they are the American team on the money line is minus seven hundred to close which, it out on Saturday. No, 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 no. Sorry, they were just to oh. just win the whole thing. I was, I was like, what? They're <laughs> minus seven hundred just to win the whole thing, which someone equated to roughly like a 16, 17 point spread in a football game is kind of what you see the money line being. Wow, um, that's a lot on that favorite. So minus 700 for the U.S. team. I don't – I'm going to look it up. I don't have it on me. Um, I do want to know if someone has a, a wager out there that they ended on on Saturday because I might put a small couple bucks on that just to – I'd go in with Because there, there are – so there's five matches Thursday, five matches Friday, which they do differently than the um, Ryder Cup. Then there's two sessions of four on Saturday. So that there's 18 matches. So they could go, they go what six, 15 and three, then they're guaranteed a, a have to retain the cup. Holy cow. That would be, that'd be unbelievable. Ah, man. I think there's more likely that that happens than that. The internationals win this thing. That's oh, absolutely correct. The internationals have no chance. They just have no chance. The U.S. team just so deep, even with the guys that we've lost. Um, I mean, it, it, for example, the guy that just won back to back, not back to back weeks, but back to back events. He was one who was on the outside looking in. And yeah, he, I mean, it's and that's that's how deep this team is. So I think at the end of the day, this is a formality event. It's unfortunate that um, it's not better competition, but it's honestly never been. And that's why I I truly think this event is it's it's risking expiration. Yeah, it's going to expire. I think I'm going to give a a prediction of I'm going to say it stays a little bit close. 17 13 maybe 17 and a half 12 and a half it'll be kind of somewhat the only thing that's tough interesting and why it's tough to bet on is that because of it and everyone knows what we have going in i think you're going to see more concessions once the points Mm -hmm. are won and guys are going to bow out to not let it seem like it's the good yeah onslaught that could if they don't win on saturday I think the cup gets clinched early Sunday and you see a lot of concessions from a sportsmanship aspect, which I, I support. Keep the, keep the, the points the, t- closer. The total the points. The, day, the total point as far as so they don't a, run a, up yeah. the score. Yeah. As far as a gambling man's concerned, I think it's a very dangerous bet. If it goes into Sunday. I, uh, I may have put a couple dollars on 17 to 13 as the final score, but I, I said three and a half, four. So, so, Mikey, we're on the same page. So we'll see. I think a great solution to the President's Cup to make it interesting is bring in the LPGA Tour. Mm. You get six men, six women. And the, so the, the Golf Channel, I had the Golf Channel on today when I was doing some stuff around the house. And 
they brought up this idea and I've heard it in the past. It's not a, a very original idea from it, from anyone, but the top six international players on the LPJ tour are all in the top eight of the world golf rankings. That actually would be a great, that would be, I would love to watch that because that would be anytime the, the guys, I say the guys and the girls, but anytime they play together, I'm always watching. I think it's, I think it's super cool. And it's just to see how the, I mean, you can, uh, to compare the two, their short games, these ladies are, are unbelievable. Uh, they, they obviously don't hit it quite as far as the guys, but from the skill standpoint, it's they're just incredible. So that that I, I would love to do that. That would be. That would I be, think it. I think uh, it makes the conversation like leading up to it as far as like who do you pair together? Yeah. Like if you have to put a, you know, it, it's got to be a one woman, one man in the yeah. foursomes and, and four ball. Like who do you put Lexi with, or who do you, who do you put? You know, who does the internationals put Lydia Ko with or, you know, yeah. Minji Lee? I mean, it's so, I mean, like they're as good on the international side on the LPGA tour as we are on, you know, the American side yeah. on the PGA tour. And so, God, I think it, I think it would be inter- interesting. I'd watch the shit out of it. I would. Yeah, I agree. I think it'd be way more interesting than this. Yeah. Um, and it's it's unfortunate because I do like these events and they can be good. And there have been a few good President's Cups over the years. But the U.S. side is just so strong right now. I mean, I think mm. I think they're potentially looking at a stranglehold on, on the Ryder Cup for the next few years. Maybe the next one or two Ryder Cups only because yeah. there's going to be such big turnover on the European side. And they're going to have so many rookies, I think, in the next maybe two Ryder Cups. Yeah. Not that they're bad, but you're going to have like the Hogard twins on the European side. You're going to have Bobby McIntyre. Um, Rory's going to be almost 40. Yeah, you're just going to have some some turnover over there, and, and that team's going to look drastically different. Not because of the live guys being off, but it's just because they were going to go off anyways. The Sergios, the Westwoods, the Poulters, the Graham McDowells, the Martin Keimers, they were already aging off that team yeah. before live golf came around. And so... I think the U.S. is just one in prime shape for being so strong right now that they might, you know, win a bunch of these team events here uh, in the next, you know, call it six to eight years. Yeah. And but yeah, if they got the LPJ tour involved, I would watch the hell out of that. I think it would be so I cool. Be, I think that would be very entertaining. So it'd be good. Shout out to these ladies to get get them some more TV time so they can get some more cash. Yeah, you know, we've talked about that in the past, like. You know, they're, you know, like, like we said, they're incredibly talented people with the same skill set. And I don't think enough people watch it. And I think if we, I think it would be in the uh, PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour's best interest to try to make that happen because now we've got a stage where people who love LPGA Tour, uh, they're going to watch. And we got people who follow you know, the PGA Tour, they're going to watch. So you put them together. Now you, you're starting to get, you know, stretching, stretching out to meet some, or uh, reach out to some new, um, new viewers, and I think it can only be good for the women's golf game. And like I said, they they, they definitely deserve to get paid the same or, or close to it. I I understand that it, it really comes down to viewership and money, you know. And I don't think anyone's that naive to to not say that. But I do think that some of these these ladies on the LBJ tour deserve to get more viewership, which in turn could give them more money. Yeah, I agree. The with skill that. set is there. And uh, you know, honestly, they hit it. They hit it damn far too. I mean, they definitely they hit do. it further. 
the, yeah. the longest girls on that on on that tour they hit it further than all of us yes i mean and that would be what lexi thompson um I mean, I know there's other people out there that's yeah, there's, um, you know, Maria Fossey hits it a while. Yeah. Bianca Pagdanan hits it a mile. Patty Tavitana kid hits it a mile. Um, They, uh, there's a few of them out there that just hit it. Yeah. They would embarrass most men. Most I'd say. Yeah, definitely. Most men, all amateurs. um, (laughs) Most. Uh, Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, so I think that that'd be cool and, and spice up the President's Cup a little bit if if they did that. And so, um, well, let's uh, let's get into our picks here. This is kind of a unique setup here for this uh, for the DraftKings. It's a little different than normal. Yeah, this is tough. It, it's tough to pick it out. You're you're always constantly looking for who do you think is going to play the most matches, and obviously who's going to play the best. So you know you have to kind of think of how they're playing. In my opinion, you know, who does the captain like? Like if it's if it's somebody that maybe it's not a household name, but the 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 captain knows that they're a great match play player and they're gonna play him, you know, majority of the matches, then those that's that's who you want. You just want opportunity, I think. Opportunity to win the most matches because that's how it's that's how it's uh the points are determined. Holes won, how quickly you win the holes, obviously winning the match, holes have to get points. Um so anyway, Mikey, you got a strategy? I don't. I am currently changing this as we're talking. Nice. Um, because all right, I'm leaving some money on the table here, but I'm gonna stick with this. So um I'm leaving five hundred dollars on the table with my salary cap. I'm leaving nine hundred. Are you? Yeah. So the the number one that you get the I guess what do they call this? The captain of your squad. It's you got to pay time and a half, but you also get time and a half points. Yep. Essentially. So I'll start at the bottom first. I do have a couple internationals because they're not going to just get steamrolled completely. They are going to win some holes and win some matches. And I think these, I'll go with my two international guys first, even though they don't jive in order of pay. But I got Mito Pereira at 4,600. I think mm. he could be, because he's been playing so well, I think he could be a stalwart for them and just play a lot of matches, just like you said. Um, 40, what is he? It's only $4,600. I was like, that's a massive steal for Mito Pereira, who just hits it really, really well. And again, he's probably playing some of the best of, of this, this squad and had the best year of, of most of these guys. So I think he plays four of the five matches. Yeah, that, that's, I, I agree. That's it's like it's just a good good that. value play. I like that. Um, then the other international that I have is Sung J M. I think he's probably going to play all five. Yeah, at at seventy four hundred dollars. So I like him just because of the amount that he's going to probably play for them as he's one of their studs. So then I go to my American side, uh, my low dollar guy, fifty eight hundred dollars. Billy Ho, Billy Horschel, been playing well. Somewhat fits this golf course. He's just fiery competitor, loves these match play things, love these team events. And so I go Billy Ho, $5,800. Then I'm going to go Cam Young, $6,600. Rookie, but drives the piss out of the ball, hits it a mile, hits it straight, which is what you're going to need um, at Quail this weekend. 
So I like Cam. Then I'm going up to the hot hand, 9,200, Max Homa. Oh, look at you. Max Homa does everything well. It's easy to pair this guy with anyone in any format. Has no major weakness like we talked about. Gets along with everyone. I like Homa. And my captain, number one, 15,900, Scotty Scheffler. He's going to play all five matches. He's probably going to go 4 0 and one and he's the best player in the event. He's going to play everything. He's going to win it all, and I like him getting time and a half on his points. Hmm, fair. Um, all right, a similar strategy, um, I guess. This depends on how you look at that. But I'll start from the bottom here. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with my Euro staple here. I say Euro, but I'm international Euro, team. international team. He's played on a ton of these and one of the most consistent players, ball strikers, and actually one of the most consistent putters in the last five years since he started doing the non-anchor long putter. Um, Adam Scott, 6000 6, bucks. I know he's going to play a majority of these matches because of, because of his – he's been playing great the last two months, but he's also has the most experience in this event, I think, of any player. I think he's played the most President's Cups. Yes, I think you're right. Um so you're like, okay, this guy needs to be playing, and he's playing well. So at six thousand bucks, I think he actually uh, does well. Um, I bump up to Cam Young, same as you, for the same reasons. Mike um, hits it a long, long way, and I just this course is tailor made for this guy. So I just feel like whoever is on his team, they're going to win. I think he's going to win all of his matches leading up to the singles match and, and who knows from there, but um, then I jump up to Mr. Tony Finau again, this course is made for him. He's playing some of the best golfers career, 8,200 bucks. Then I go with my heavy hitters, Patrick Cantlay this uh, again, just, he's just playing so well. It's hard not to, to put him on there and Scotty Scheffler for the same reasons you said, Mike, He's it's this course is really is drawn up for him playing the best golf, number one in the world. I I, I don't foresee him um playing poorly, but I do think that he's gonna be paired up with Kevin Kisner a couple of times, who is my captain. And I think wow Kevin Kisner, I think Kevin Kisner is gonna win four matches. I think he's gonna start off hot and he's gonna be winning and the and they're gonna just stick with him. DL3 is just gonna let it ride and just say, Hey, Kevin, I like you, you're a bulldog. Um, and he's going to be, you know, I, he was the last guy I just took off. I took him off my team. I just, I don't know. The course fit bothered me last minute here. I just took him off my team. So I hope he doesn't play well. He's just too good. He's just too good at match play. And and, and yeah, I agree. In the format that they play, he's just like the perfect guy to play with. Like say you pair him and Scotty Scheffler or him and Tony Finau and they're like, Hey, Kevin, are you going to make par on this hole? Absolutely. Damn, Lutley, I'm going to make par on this hole. Make a birdie. Like, and here, then you get Tony Finau making nine birdies in 18 holes, mainly because Tony Finau can free it up and he can make five bogeys. Like, that's, that's yeah. the mindset you get in that, that, that two man mindset. Like, now I know the alternate shot format's a little different, but yeah. Um, anyway. Oh, wow. So he's the captain, huh? He's my captain. Interesting strategy there. You went the, yeah. with the the cheap guy at the time and a half, but and I got. I think he's going to be 
I think he's going to be one of the most productive cheap guys. And then I throw two of my, my big timers up. at. The I like that. Interesting strategy. I like it. All right, McLean, what do you got? All right. We're going to start from the top. Now we're here. Um, <laughs> I'm going with the best bulldog in the event. When you look at the quality of play along with mentality, and that's Justin Thomas, my captain without question. Uh, uh, moving down the list, I, I've got a bulldog field, a, a bulldog absolutely team here. And I'm going deep with uh, six Americans on my team because I think it's just going to be an absolute onslaught. Uh, moving down below my captain is Mr. Sam Burns, who I think is an underdog bulldog. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's someone else that that will thrive in this atmosphere. I just truly think he will. Um, and then I go down to, I do, I think Sam, I think Sam Burns is going to be more of a grinder. We've not seen him much in team formats yet. If I I don't think we've ever seen him in team formats, especially on this sort of level. I think he's someone who's going to get in there, get gritty and be someone that thrives with the crowd. We're on us soil. I I really think he's going to end up being kind of a, uh, an underdog bulldog for this event. Um, moving down from there, the guy that will benefit from being paired with every bulldog, it sounds like he's on everyone's team, is Mr. Tony Finau. Um, I mean, you pair him with a Kevin Kisner and just let Kevin Kisner bulldog it and let Tony Finau just make his birdies. I, I think that's a match made in heaven. Um, Kevin Kisner is also on my team, uh, late breaking news. <laughs> um, and then moving on to the Florida Bulldog himself, Mr. Billy Ho. Uh, another guy who absolutely thrives in these sort of formats. So I've got Kevin Kisner, Billy Horschel, Sam Burns, and Justin Thomas, my Bulldog team. And I'm, I'm going to follow that up late with Mr. Jordan Spieth, a guy who has wow. a ton of uh, a ton of experience in these big-time team events, guy who's returned That's to fair. form, playing very well. I think he's going to be on a lot of the top teams. And again, I just think that it's going to be an onslaught of Americans. I don't see how I had Hideki on my list because I think Hideki will play well, but I think there's so many team competitions that will exist where the, the two man team is going to outweigh the individual player that I, I, I just, I have to go with all Americans here. So again, Justin Thomas, Sam Burns, Tony Finau, Billy Horschel, Kevin Kisner, and uh, Mr. Jordan Spieth. I want to change my team a little bit, but I won't. Too late now. <laughs> no, it's not. It hasn't started yet. It's locked in, dude. You've said it on air. Yeah, once you've made your picks on here, it's it's locked. I'm regretting a couple of things, but I want to, no, we're going to ride with it. We're going to ride. <laughs> so, all right, gents. Um, anything else? That was a very long podcast. It was a good just podcast. Good, just a good. pleasure to be here talk. with you. I love the golf the golf strategy the golf uh technique talk that's that gets me all nerded out i, I love it I, I didn't yell at anyone tonight there was no yeah. yelling and cussing back and forth i feel like i feel like a lot of our viewers are going to miss that do we want to go ahead and have a live golf talk just to gain back some of the guys <laughs> that are like i can't believe i've made it this long and these fucking guys have remained cordial this is bullshit yeah uh with with that being said uh it was a pleasure gents cheers <laughs> peace